And welcome back to another episode of Lost and Down. We are your hosts. I am Stephen, and we, of course, always joining me is David Cleveland there in Cleveland, Ohio. Before I toss it over to DK, we want you to know this episode is brought to you by Tabbies.com, the premier Delta 8 edible on the market, T-A-B-E-A-S-E.com. Make sure you use promo code FOOTBALL for 20% off that order, as well as free shipping. Had a pretty solid week six here. We're going to get into why we're really not that happy about week six overall, but the other football games are great. David, how was your weekend, my man? My weekend was, it was good. I, I can't complain. I actually, uh, I was writing a paper this weekend and I actually got 100% on it. So I'm pretty excited. Humble brag. Yeah, humble brag. Absolutely. Big nerd. Big nerd over here. Good. Um, as, I, as, I, as I like to hear. You know what? It's, this might sound bad. And Kylie, I'm sorry if you're listening, but I had a great weekend. Girlfriend went up to Cleveland with the puppy. So I was, I was a little bit lonely, but I got the king bed to myself and I loved it. I'm pulling out my old man card. I was in bed asleep by 7.45 on Saturday night. Didn't wake up till 7 a.m. on Sunday. Felt refreshed. Went and got a couple beers while waiting for the wings right before the 1 o'clock kickoff. Then promptly got my heart ripped out, which I'm kind of preaching to the choir at this point. But overall, it was a pretty solid week and even got a little bit of golf in there, too. So I can't really complain too much. That's awesome. Well, outside of, we'll get to why we're complaining here. Luckily, we don't really have too much NFL news to go over. And if there is, we're going to kind of make it a conglomerate on the games that, you know, that they are associated with. So first one, let's just, let's get this the fuck out of the way. Washington versus Chicago was the Thursday night game. The most boring first half in the history of the NFL. The second half did pick up here a little bit. And Washington finally gets to stop their four game skid here. But the NFL needs to start flexing these games early. Get them the fuck out of here. Uh, no, you're absolutely right. I, they need to flex these games. Like We can see these games now weeks ahead of time. Move these Thursday night games that Chicago and, and Denver and all these terrible teams are starring in, and let's, let's get some – I don't even need good teams. I don't need Chiefs Bills on Thursday night. Like I just want competitive football. Give me an NFC East matchup. Give me something, right? Whoa. Who would have ever I thought know. we'd be begging for an NFC East matchup on that's, Thursday? That's, that's how bad game. Chicago, Denver, and Washington have been on primetime football games. But, uh, no, I the only thing I have to say about this game is I, Fields is bad, man, but he shows so much signs of, of talent. I, again, the coaching just holds him back. They need to get him out of the pocket more. They need to roll him out. They need to do design runs, get his legs working in – efficient manners so that you open up the pass game for him because he is not a pocket passer. He's anything, but we saw the potential, right? But the easy throws missed to dime touchdown toss ratio is horrific because he had that gorgeous pass to Dante Pettis. Uh, I I believe it was in the third, it had to be in the third or fourth quarter because not shit went on in the first half. But then how many times did you see even from the opening drive to the last drive, him just missing a 10 yard slant, a 10-yard in, a 15-yard post. He was just missing left and right. And as a second-year guy, you need to be hitting at least north of 60% of those tosses. Absolutely. But screw Washington and Chicago. Let's move on to the probably the most surprising uh, game of the whole weekend, which is Pittsburgh beating Tampa in Pittsburgh. Equally bad quarterback, Kenny Pickett, gets knocked out with a concussion, and Tampa Bay couldn't get anything going offensively. So. Tell me, what are your thoughts, Stephen? 
I was surprised about the defense, right? You don't have any Minka Fitzpatrick there. You know that you're missing out on TJ Watt. So for the fact that the defense was able to perform it the way that they did and did not allow Tampa Bay to score a touchdown until the fourth quarter, that's awesome. Also, shout out to Pittsburgh. First win since drafting TJ Watt when he's not playing in the game. I think they were, what, Owen, you would know this, like 0-8, 0-9 or something prior to this. They finally get that first dub. So to your point, they weren't just missing Minka and TJ. They were missing, I think, both their starting corners too. So, and it's not like Tampa Bay was unhealthy at receiver again. Like they had Godwin, they had Evans, they had their, I think everyone but Julio. I can't remember. I think Julio missed out on the game. But I don't know what's going on with Tampa Bay. That offense doesn't, they don't look great. I'm starting to think that they're feeling the effects of Tom Brady's broken marriage and him partying in, in New York with Kraft's uh, wedding. But I don't know. I'm just like, it's almost every team with any kind of legitimate passing attack should have been able to wipe the Steelers this past weekend. I'm I'm kind of just shocked that the Steelers stayed in the game, let alone won it. Shout out to Mike Tomlin. We have Wally's little tidbit here. Obviously, as you guys know, he's not here. Bucks or Washington, vintage Tomlin game. Yes, vintage Tomlin game. But this is, does this say more of how great Tomlin had this team coached up versus are you really that worried about this Bucks offense? Because to your point, playing second and third stringers, they couldn't score a touchdown until the fourth quarter. On a scale of one to 10, where are you at with your panic meter on this Bucks offense? I mean, if I was a fan, I'd probably be at an eight. I don't think you ever get to a 10 because they're so talented. They could always turn it around at any given point. But, I mean, they have not looked good in a single game this season. The last three halves, so going back to the second half of the Atlanta game, then obviously this full game, they've looked horrible. I think think they've put up just those field goals in that one touchdown in the last three halves. So not something that we're used to. It's something that you were alluding to earlier. Tom Brady's in New York, parting his ass off on Saturday, flies separate with the team, gets to the game on Sunday, separate, flying in from New York, and then has the audacity to just rip his offensive line and his whole offense into shreds about their performance. There's 11 people on that field, and you have the biggest target on your back right now, Tom Brady. You need to get your team right, bud. Jacksonville losing their third straight game. But the 14th straight road game against an AFC South opponent when they lost to Indianapolis, who's only a point and a half spread, it did take Indy a last-second drive for them to pull out the win. Screw you guys because I went against my better judgment on Thursday and ended up taking the Jags here when they turned into a pick on Sunday. Man, did that rip me out. Were we a little bit too quick to hop on this Jags bandwagon? I think we were, but I still think they're a great – like, I still think they're a great team in the making. I think that any given week they'll pro- they could probably upset anyone that they're playing. Had I known that they were on a 13 game road winless streak Insane. against the AFC South, I probably would have never bet on them because for some reason the AFC South has the weirdest statistics in losing, you know, the what is it? The Jags can't beat the Texans, the Texans can't beat the Jags in Duval, the Colts can't beat the Jags in Duval, but you know Jackson can't win on the road in the division. I just, there's so many weird things going on in that division that if I got a grasp of them all, I would just pick my bets based on like those stats. But I, I think the Jags are are definitely 
they're not a, they're, they're not as good as I thought they were going to be, but I think I think in the next two years they they could be very dangerous if they draft well. But I, I'm still shocked the Colts won. Uh, apparently, throwing 50 times is their path to victory. 37 first half pass attempts from Matt Ryan. They and I saw a report halfway through the game that if the Colts lose, Frank Reich might be out. Matt Ryan was literally throwing for Frank Reich's career right then and there in that game. But yeah, what? What do you end up with? Like 50, 54, a little bit yeah, over 50. And it, it was, I, I mean, like they didn't look bad. Like their passing attack looked decent. It's just, I don't know. I, you'd think that team would be a run first offense and, and apparently not. As Wally said, the Jags are further away than we thought. Alex Pierce is really good. Hopefully he gets a quarterback, not, not on the fast track to a nursing home. <laughs> Kudos to you, Wally. I'm just reading that live. So um, I appreciate that little note. Since he, Traveling down to NOLA, where the Bengals were ended up as a point-and-a-half favorite, but Joey B returns home against a injury-ridden offense in the New Orleans Saints who were missing their top three receivers in Alave. I accidentally started him in one league. It was pretty upsetting because Brandon Ayuk was on my bench. Michael Thomas, and then you also have Jarvis Landry out. And now we have Andy Dalton that was injured and potentially going to be missing this game or already trending to missing it. Joey B drops 300 yards, three touchdowns. Jamar Chase with one of those scores in the NOLA reunion. Do you have any takeaways from this game worthwhile? The only thing I found interesting is I, I I don't think Cincinnati ran under center more than a handful of times, which could be a transition to Zach Taylor and his coaching staff realizing that they don't know what they're doing and they might actually turn this into a an air raid offense. So I, it's the only thing I'm, I, I look forward to watching them next week to see if that continues, if they're just running out of the shotgun and, and playing to Burrow's strengths getting him maybe an extra second at best to at least find Chase and, and Higgins and, and Boyd. But other than that, I got nothing. Go Burrow. Hard not to love Burrow, but Wally. Let's, let's see what Wally says. Jamar Chase was great in his homecoming. Burrow wearing Chase's jersey he wore in the national championship in his first trip back to the Superdome is cold as hell. I would agree with that. Yeah, no, it, it was crisp and like, I'm I'm curious if that actually is because I thought Odell Beckham was taking all their jerseys. Is that why he was paying them, paying them for the jerseys after the national championship game? You would think. Yeah, maybe it's about the only thing he did right in the entire you know duration of his tenure in Cleveland. <laughs> Talk about your brownies here. All right, all they right. lose. Speaking they of lose Cleveland. yet again to the New England Patriots. I don't get it. It's Bill Belichick. It's Bill Belichick's having one of his finest couple game stretches in in coaching. But man, take it away. I just don't hear. So there's a couple things, couple things. I won't go on a rant like I did last week, but Brissett, still the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. Hammer at home, send him to the unemployment line. I'm done with him. But uh, no Clowney and Ward. Again, no Clowney. No, no real pass rush because you don't have D tackles. It exposes how bad our secondary is. Like our secondary can't do anything without a legitimate pass rush. But it's it's a Belichick classic. He's just outsmarts an offensive guy. I mean, like Stefanski's no no Shanahan. He's no he's not like the the top five coach in the NFL. He's a great offensive mind, and that's about it. And Belichick can wipe the floor with him strategically. So it's just a Belichick classic, and against a Browns team that's hurting with injuries and and frankly not who we thought they were. Is there a quarterback controversy in New England? Bailey Zappi's been playing some great football going into 
what the three quarters he played against Green Bay in these last two games, right? You typically see those guys, especially rookies, now that they have some game film on them, people are able to kind of break them down. He doesn't really seem to be missing a beat. He's playing that Mac Jones role. Right now, if Mac Jones is healthy, do you roll with Zappi or do you bring Mac back? So this is the tough question because for the last two weeks, we I've been saying, I don't know what you do because Bailey Zappi looks like Mac Jones. Do you uh, – but, Matt, like, I don't know because I trust Bill Belichick. So if he throws Mac in there, Mac's better. Like, I – you know, it is what yeah. it is. But, it, you know, Zappi's playing unbelievably well. But he also – you know, I saw some people saying – Oh, he had 597 yards and three touchdowns in the last two weeks. It's like, yeah, but if he wasn't playing the Browns, would we be talking about him like he's this like reincarnation of Brady? Absolutely not. Let's slow the roll. Let's let's see him play against a great team and then make our decisions. Transitioning, let's uh, let's talk about teams with good quarterbacks. Maybe some injured, quote but, unquote, quote unquote. Minnesota, Miami, Minnesota. They, they started slow, but they took off in the second half, whereas the exact opposite happened to the Dolphins. Two is accepted, expected back next week, but they've dropped games without him. What do you think, Steven? You think they're going to, you think he's going to start and they're going to start looking like they did after, what was it, week two when he threw for 400 yards? Yeah, against the Baltimore Ravens. So, yeah, I mean, they started 3 0. Since then, they've been 0 3. Maybe two is going to get a little bit of the respect that he deserves here because maybe he is that guy for the franchise. I'm not going to argue for the franchise. He is a thousand percent the guy for this offense and what Mike McDaniel does. And I think that this proves all the hate that he has gotten the past couple of years, because he's done nothing but have a winning record as a starter. And I think after the first three games this year, we were ready to hand him over the keys of Mike McDaniel's head coach of the year to a, you know, offensive player of the year, yada, 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 because of what they have. This is why, quarterback is so important because not only do you have Skylar Thompson starting, he ends up getting hurt. And then you bring him back Teddy Bridgewater. You see what that offense looks like without Tua. He's expected to come back week seven because they're being very cautious, obviously because they want their starting quarterback, but more or less they have a bunch of eyes on them. NFL investigators included. I think that Miami, it might take a week, but I think they're going to get, they're going to pick up right where they left off and Tua is going to make this car hum here. So Wally has notes here saying Tua is the last chance to save their season, and I couldn't agree more. This game was a story of turnovers for Miami in, in the first quarter, let alone the first half. Like, they had all the opportunities to go up three touchdowns and pull away, turn it into a win, take that momentum and run with it. But I think they – I want to say they had turnovers on maybe two consecutive drives and failed on a third to, to get points and – when that happens, you're you're just not having a good day. Hard to gain momentum after that. Even though Minnesota started slow, it's just once they got going, Miami didn't have a chance. When you when you can't convert on easy drives early on, you're you have no chance to win the game. So to Wally's point, I think this is definitely their last chance to save the season. I'm assuming and probably incorrectly, but I'm assuming that Tua steps in and looking like he did until he got hurt. But if he can just play like he did the first three weeks of the season, I, I think they're they're still in a really good spot to be a playoff team. Let's not forget, they also have that big division win against the Buffalo Bills. Did they end up winning that game? Yeah, they did end up winning that game. So watch out for that because that might, even though Buffalo gained some steam and got a couple games underneath their belt here, that could be proving very, very good for the Dolphins here down the road because we are still waiting. We say it every week. As a Josh Allen lover, 
we are waiting for that Josh Allen game in your words, right? It's inevitable that it's going to happen at least once. They also still have another matchup. So this could go down to the wire and, oh, no, watch out for those New York football Jets as well, which we'll get into here in a little bit. Good teams win. Great teams cover. The Atlanta Falcons move to 3-3 three and three sweet. 6-0 and oh against the spread. And the Niners just can't really seem to get anything consistently going here since Jimmy G has taken over. Atlanta goes up 14-0, game gets tied. They end the game scoring 14 straight points to win it 28-14. What are your thoughts on the San Francisco 49ers? And is there any takeaways from this Atlanta team and how they've been starting this year? I have no thoughts on the 49ers. They're a confusing team, and they ride. I mean, if Jimmy plays decently well, they win. If he doesn't, they lose. It's, it is what it is. But Atlanta is a sneaky good team. They're, They're playing well. Yeah, they're one of the weirdest, most interesting teams out there. Marcus Mariota leading them to victory still doesn't make sense to me. They're not doing it with the Kyle Pitts being like a thousand yard receiver this year. Drake London's good, but like it's it's just kind of like a it's a combination effort, right? Like everyone's playing just good enough to make this fun and interesting on offense. Um, but they're they're weirdly good, and and as Wally put in our notes here. Don't bet against the cool uniforms. It was always going to be the Falcons. Excuse me. I meant the first place Falcons. So, you know, you know what would be the most shocking thing on the planet is the Falcons making the playoffs and winning the division because I had them going like three and 14 or four and 13 or something. Like that was my prediction for them. I thought they were going to be terrible. And here we are six weeks into the season there in first place and proving everyone wrong. Arthur Smith's got those boys playing. I've been, a, I've been, I wouldn't say a closet Arthur Smith hater. I've been pretty vocal with it, but man, he's really, he's really put my foot in my mouth right now. And I think he has his, to your point, you have, you have a team of not really anybody. Like I wouldn't be surprised if there's not a single pro bowler on this team, maybe except for AJ Terrell, their quarterback. And they, and they're just performing. They're just a gritty team and keep riding these Atlanta Falcons. I like them a lot. Also, Three yards, three rushes of 50-plus in this game. Watch out. Atlanta, I don't know if they'll win this division, but they're going to be – I can see them turning into one of those wildcard teams that at the time you just don't want to face them. It does not matter. Like of San Francisco last year. Yeah, they're kind of limping into the playoffs. I don't want to face them. We all saw why. I think Atlanta has the opportunity of doing that this year. Keep that in the division. The Carolina Panthers, the ghosts of the Carolina Panthers, head out to L.A. They lose by 14, killing the 10 spread. Man, I really thought we nailed this one. It looked pretty good uh, up until the fourth quarter. But Carolina, just, it's just not it. P.J. Walker was their was their quarterback. They looked horrible. I think at one point in the third quarter, they had like 80 yards of, of total offense. They just weren't doing it. Their defense is the only thing that you can really hang your hat on here, and they could stick it out as much as possible. Let's be real. They even scored a touchdown. They got a pick six on Matt Stafford. If you hold the L.A. Rams with 24 points, most likely, as long as your offense can put up points, that could be a win, considering of what we're expecting that L.A. Rams team to be, not just this year, but just overall. But lots of trade talks coming. Robbie Anderson already gone within a 22-hour window of exploding on his coordinator, as well as the interim head coach, uh, Steve Wilkes. He's already gone to the Atlanta Cardinals, Atlanta Cardinals, to the Arizona Cardinals. But both these teams sucks. Did this make you look at LA even worse than what, what we already are? Is really the question I want to ask. 
Yeah, I'm just – it's a simple – my thoughts are it's as simple as bet against Carolina the rest of the season. I think they're going to finish the worst team in the NFL. It won't be close. And the Rams still suck. But you know what? The Rams have enough talent to make it look like they don't suck as bad as they suck. But, you know, Robbie Anderson, he he, he can kick rocks. That guy, he's been a negative attitude in the locker room since the day he stepped into the NFL. But, you know, with all that, I'm ignoring the Panthers because they're terrible. Let's move on to Arizona, Seattle, where, you know, Arizona doesn't score an entire offensive touchdown in the game. And, uh, you know, with with DeAndre Hopkins expected back, do you think this offense gets any better than than what it's currently at? Or do we still see a mediocre team? There has to be some sort of positive difference that D Hop is going to bring to that game, because now you're going to you don't who's your number one receiver. You have a mix of Marquise Brown AJ Green, which I don't even—I don't think that dude has caught like eight catches all year. I never see his name. I never see him targeted anytime I the lack of Cardinal games I've watched. But anytime I'm watching a Cardinals game, there's nothing. You have Hollywood Brown, who's in a walking boot, not as bad as people thought. So he's expected to only miss a few weeks as opposed to the whole year. But adding D Hop to that, I think is only going to help. But how much is that going to help? But at the same time, that NFC West division is way closer than we were expecting six weeks in. But man, this Arizona team looks bad. I really like what Seattle's doing. Hindsight's 2020. I think Arizona's a 500 team that I thought was going to be better because they have really good talent in certain position groups, but like it's not translating to wins. Uh, we'll see to your point, we'll see what what D Hop provides when he comes back as like a number one receiver. But Wally has here Hollywood Brown being done for the year lessens the significance of D Hop's return. I think that's probably right. Like you just take one wide receiver out for the year and put in another wide receiver one that's that can get double covered and and put up probably the same stats that Brown was putting up. That's why uh, they bring in Robbie Anderson, baby. <laughs> the, I, the coverage killer. I, I just don't know. You know, that probably does help, but I just don't know, you know, is it is it really that significant? Are they gonna win? four more games than they were going to without them? Probably not. Uh, it just feels like this team's a 500 team. And then on the flip side, Seattle, you know, while he's going to beat the dead horse until I want to kill myself, but Geno Smith is in first place on October 17th. Wally is jumping around and, and cheering and the happiest guy on the planet. And you know what? I was, I, again, week after week, I was wrong on Gino. The guy just keeps playing extremely well and putting Seattle in a position to be a great team. And I don't understand that either. Don't take the burden by yourself. We were wrong. We were both on that together on the Drew Lock hype train. So don't be, don't be scared. You were not lonely on that. Luckily, that rips that Band-Aid off on, on the section of these games could have been covered in the email. We have... What was it? We got four games that we really, really want to talk about. Talk about ripping a Band-Aid off. You guys are going to sit here and listen to me rant on. So if you guys want to go to the bathroom, have at it, because I will still be talking when you guys get back. The New York football Jets moved to 4-2 and two after going up to Lambeau, beating Green Bay, and making Aaron Rodgers look like Zach Wilson, even though Zach Wilson was looking like Zach Wilson. Green Bay drops back-to-back games to New York to both the New York teams nonetheless. Zach Wilson doesn't even break 100 yards. Brees Hall, this dude is a problem. I love that his carries are getting increased week after week because he is a true number one running back, and he has shown that. 120 yards with one touchdown. Here's my problem, and I feel like I'm just taking this from David's script from last week. Why is Aaron Jones not getting the ball? 
three rushes for four total touches last in the first half yesterday. I think he ended with 12. Him and A.J. Dillon need to be circulating around that 35 touches in the receiving game as well as the running game. And they are just simply not getting it done. The offensive line looked horrible for Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers couldn't get anything going. He still looks like he doesn't trust anybody. And overall, something that we talked about here off camera that is just pissing me off, and you've noticed it since the first, the opening play that was dropped by Christian Watson in the Vikings game. This team just has no backbone. Anytime that anything goes wrong, they just give up. And it looks like an Aaron Rodgers-led football team right now. I will sit here and die on the hill of Aaron Rodgers, being the guy that he is, doing the shit that he is doing in the offseason, talking to the media when you're winning MVPs. But now you can't just be an asshole and be horrible and cannot win for your football team. I mean, yes, three and three and the sky is falling in Green Bay. It absolutely is. They're already two games behind Minnesota, a two and a half technically if you, if you add the division win that they have head-to-head. Green Bay's defense looks horrible. Something about the name Joe, Joe Woods, Joe Barry, Cup of Joe, Joe Schmo, Joe Blow, don't fucking care. Get him out of here if it's in Cleveland or or in Green Bay. Joe Barry, I don't know what you're doing, but you easily have the most talented players on that defense that I have seen in my lifetime outside of the Charles Woodson-led defense that led Green Bay to, to the Super Bowl. This team looks bad. And on top of that, I don't want to take this away from the Jets. The Jets played an awesome game. They beat Green Bay's ass in all three aspects of the of the game. Offensively, yeah, Zach Wilson didn't get it done. He'd even break 100 yards, but they got it done. Special teams, they have a blocked field goal, a blocked punt that was also returned for a touchdown. And defensively, they just shut down Green Bay, holding them to the lowest total in two years by an Aaron Rodgers-led team. And I know I tweeted this out earlier. PFF, what are we doing? We give Quinnen Williams a 64.3 grade on his game yesterday. This is all he did. Two sacks, two tackle for losses, three quarterback pressures, a forced fumble, and a blocked field goal. That's a 64 rating. This dude was, anytime he was on the field, because he did end up getting poked in the eye at the end of the first half, kind of missed a couple series in the first and or in the end of the in the first of the of the halves here. Every time this dude was on the field, th- you cannot get his name out of your mouth. The sky is falling in Green Bay. The panic button is getting smashed right now. But you got to take your hats off to the New York Jets because they played a great game. They've been playing great game. As I was talking about, this is an obviously an Aaron Rodgers-led Packers team. This is obviously a Robert Sala-led Jets team. And I'm hopping on these New York bandwagons right now because I'm loving it, even though they've ripped my heart out the last two weeks. I could continually go on here, but David is also here, and I wanted to get get his two cents on any takeaway from this game. So, David, please take it away before this aneurysm continues for me. Uh, man, I don't have much more to say. Like, Packers look uninspired. You hit the nail on the head. And, and frankly, I, Wally and I both basically have here that we owe the New York Jets a huge apology. I think the Jets are a scrappy team that plays the level of their opponent or slightly better. I don't think they're a great team. They play ugly, sloppy football, but they win. So I can't criticize them. But speaking of New York teams, I owe an apology to. The New York Giants beat the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar's late turnover is a costly one. Baltimore actually outgained the Giants almost double. It was 406 to 238 in total yards. 
but they turned the ball over and that proved to be the difference maker in the game. But the Giants continue to win despite their disastrous wide receiver room, despite not having a top 10 quarterback, despite Saquon Barkley's injury history. I, I just, I want to badly take this Giants team seriously. I do. But every time I look at their roster, every single time I'm like, this team is just, <laughs> this team is not like, this team is just not as good as I, their record says, but they're playing so well and they're beating good teams. And I, it's just, you can't, we, I can no longer disrespect them at all anymore. It's clear when Saquon's on the field that, that this team runs through him, even if he doesn't put up the stats, there's something to be said for, for the attention he gets. But Dable has that team looking really good. And if he gets his guys in there, much like I my take on the Jaguars, he gets his guys in there over the next two years. And that's a really scary team that you don't want to have to face, especially one that plays in the supposedly easiest division in football. I mean, outside, like their own line's a little bit shaky. I like I like Evan Neal, their tackle that they have. And he's been he's had some serious growing pains and some learning curves, but he's getting better each week because it feels so far away from the Cowboys getting 35 pressures on this team and just dismantling them. They're just grinding it out. They make you play to their pace, which like you said, it's a, it's just a disastrous wide receiver room, right? I don't want Richie James, you know, Terry Slayton's not bad. That dude just can't stay on the field. At one point, a couple years ago, he was leading the NFL in touchdown passes over like a 23 week span, something ridiculous like that. And all my attention is now on Lamar Jackson. Yes, you're missing Rashad Bateman. What's your excuse? This dude's missing his top three quarterbacks, all right? On top of that, it's Daniel Jones, who is leading the NFL in scramble yards. I'm just saying Lamar Jackson's not up there, but that's because he's not a pocket passer. Lamar, 17 of 32 for 210 yards and one touchdown. Back-to-back, their last two drives, interception fumble. You just can't have that, especially when you have New York on their heels. And to your point, they almost doubled the amount of yards that the New York Giants had offensively. But that just proves that turnovers are costly. The Ravens just really aren't that surprising. And I remember listening to the game yesterday. And I said, well, Lamar Lamar, and, and the Ravens are up 14-10, uh, whatever it was. But you know how Lamar is in the second half with the lead. Here we go. Just an hour later, there he goes blowing that lead. So right when I give Lamar praise for his passing and, and what I've been dogging on, what we've been dogging him, he just goes right back and, you know what, we were totally right about this guy. But never underestimate a former coach or coordinator facing his old team. We see it here in, in Wink Martindale going up against his old quarterback. No, we, we saw it in the Cleveland Pats game about Bill Belichick going up against a quarterback he once drafted and Jacoby Brissett. I knew I was onto something there. It just took me a little bit. But gun to your head right now, you're picking a New York team to ride with. Which one are you going? The Giants. I, I just, like the blues. I'm a big blue guy myself. I just I they've beaten they've beaten teams handedly. It hasn't been, you know, scrappy football. It's just been, you know, solid football, in my opinion. And both these teams are I owe an apology to, but I'm still not sold on. This might be a little bit too early. We got the Eagles 6-0 who we're going to get to here. Cowboys who just moved to 4-2. and Hope that didn't ruin any surprises. And then we have the Giants in between them in second place at 5-1. and one. Out of all of the divisions, we're talking about potentially having not only three, but all four in here. All four is not going to happen. But three teams from the same division. Is the NFC East the one to produce that on the NFC side? 
That's insane for me to think about. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And well, I don't think the Giants have what it takes to overcome their roster in the playoffs. We'll get to the Dallas and Philly discussions, but I don't I don't think they have what it takes in the playoffs unless they show me something different over which could very well happen over the next 11 weeks. Like something, especially for Philly, who doesn't score in the second half, something has to change for them for me to be convinced that they're a Super Bowl team because they're very much talented enough to get there, but they don't play like it every single game. Wally's a little tidbit here. It's okay to say you have NFC East fever, David. Giants don't say die. Love Dayball and Martindale combo with this group. Saquon's the ultimate X factor. Stats weren't there this week, but just being on the field changes the way teams play. Because, yeah, Saquon, he was averaging just a little bit less than four yards per touch here. I think he ended with, I want to say, like 26 touches for just a little south of 100 yards. I want to say like around 95. Just spitballing here. But Saquon is that guy. To your point, you can obviously tell the offense runs through them. The best game. Of the week, easily. The Buffalo Bills, for now, get the Kansas City Chief monkey off their back when they go to Arrowhead and win by four points and cover here. I think the Bills cement themselves as the best team in the NFL. This was a defensive battle here in the beginning, much like a more entertaining all four quarters, uh, Washington-Chicago, very defensive in the first half, opened up a little bit here in the second half. Josh Allen with 329 yards. Three touchdowns, even added a little 32 yards on here. Gabe Davis and, of course, Stephon Diggs had very nice games. And Mahomes wasn't too bad either. Two touchdowns with 338 yards. The two interceptions he had were extremely costly. Fun fact about this game. This was the first game in NFL history that the opening drives for both these teams resulted in a turnover in the red zone. Sucks for me who had the over, but, man, it was an awesome game. Are you ready, if you weren't already, were you ready to cement the Bills as the best team in the NFL right now? I am, and I'll get to it, but I just have to read Wally's notes first for everyone listening. Yes, please. And and try and picture this in Wally's voice. Lick my taint, Mahomes. Chiefs are far from perfect, and they're a Thursday night football versus the Chargers and a Monday night football versus the Raiders away from being two and four. The Bills are ridiculous, and Josh Allen is him, as the kids would say. Anyways. Accurate. Accurate. Anyways, uh, I think that might as well have been the AFC championship game this week. I mean, it's the two best teams in the AFC, and they didn't disappoint. They were shot shot all game until the end, and the Bills' defense is so unbelievable. And it's, it's, it's what separates them from Kansas City as the best team in the AFC. It's just phenomenal football all around, and, and those are the games you just love to watch. I'm always a big believer, and I kind of wish Buffalo lost this game. Being said, it's because it's so hard, not only for the Kansas City Chiefs, but to beat the same team twice in a year. We saw the Bengals do it to this Chiefs team last year a with Tyreek, the, the whole shebang. Could you see Buffalo repeating that? Or I know we're weeks, months away from this matchup, but how much is that going to play into that matchup there in January? I think it all depends on the home team. I think if if Buffalo ends up being at home, that's Buffalo's game to lose. And if it's the Chiefs at home, I'd have a hard time picking Buffalo at Arrowhead in the playoffs, even though they just did it. I, I just, I, in the playoffs, that's a whole different world, right? So home field, I think, is who wins the game at that point. Biggest football guy ever, kind of taking this from a part of my take. Jordan Poyer was not medically clear to fly 
So this man drove 15 hours to play in this game and then just drove another 15 hours back. That is football. I want 22 Jordan Poyers on my team. You never see that. I love that. Tell me that doesn't make him skyrocket up your list of some of your favorite football players. He's uh, one of those guys. Man. Isn't he the one that Ubered, that got traded and Ubered like four hours to another city? That might be a different Bills player from way back when. But I'm pretty sure that he's the guy that literally took like a $300 Uber or something from a different city to play on his new team that he was just traded to. But I, that might be somebody different, probably is. But for some reason, he just feels like the guy who's just like, I'll do whatever it takes to get there. I'm so flabbergasted with this Buffalo Bills. Just, you know, them not missing a beat without Dayball. Dayball really kind of just picking up where he left off with Buffalo. I love what they're doing. If you're a New York guy, if there's a lot of people out there that are just – I'm a football fan, but I don't have a specific team. I'm from New York. I just root for my team. You're having a hell of a time right now because I think you're a combined 9-13-4 between your three teams of the New York Jets, Giants, and then you got the Buffalo Bills. It's a good time to be alive in New York. Absolutely. The last game, the Dallas Cowboys going to Philadelphia, hostile environment. Philadelphia squeaks out covering here. That minus six and a half. Jalen Hurts having a little bit slow of a game, only 155 yards with two touchdowns, but their rushing attack put up 136. But it was on like 38 carries, so just under the four yards per carry, which we're not really used to seeing. But Philly came out on top. But when should we start worrying about what this offense is looking like in the second half, to your point, Dave? Because Philly now takes sole possession of the East. They're starting six and zero. But at one point, Dallas had this game to 20 to 17. But then they pull away a little bit here in the fourth quarter. Now the Cooper rush talks can finally calm down because I think it's very clear you're one Dakota Prescott away from winning this game. But I know you kind of alluded to a little bit earlier. Yes, Philly is 6-0. and But when do these second halves start catching up to them when they go scoreless or not? they don't even score a full touchdown? I'm like unsure about both these teams walking out of this week. Philadelphia is like the best team in the NFL in the first half and then simultaneously the worst team in the NFL in the second half. And they, they just look like an entirely different team in the second half. And even if it's just letting off the gas, like why? Why? That seems like a coaching error. Like why is this happening, right? But I, I just, you know, that kind of play isn't going to get – they're not going to get away with that against really good teams, especially in the playoffs. I don't know. As far as Dallas goes, I, I think they're good, but I think they're a pretender. Even with Dak, I, I just, they're not a Super Bowl contender. They're probably a playoff team. Um, I just, you know, they looked horrific in the first half and then they kind of made their adjustments and started getting better. But this game, Cooper Rush is definitely just the game manager. He's not the guy. There's no debate. Dak's going right back into the lineup when he's capable. And you know what? Maybe Dak makes this game slightly more interesting. But I don't. I still think Philadelphia wins it in the end. Again, I have a really hard time with Philadelphia. I think I looked. I looked it up mid-game yesterday, and Philadelphia is third to last in the NFL in second-half scoring, behind only or in front of only the Rams and. It's got to be the Packers. Oh, I know the Packers were were slightly higher. They're still in like the bottom twenties, but I forget Ravens? who it was. It was like the Ram. It might have been the. Might have been the Panthers. I don't know. It's like it's two atrocious offenses. And it's like Philly puts up insane first half statistics. 
and then they just kind of like coast and hope that their 30-point lead holds in the entire second half. So Cooper Rush, 18 of 38, 180 yards, 181 yards, and three interceptions. His first not only loss as a starter, but a loss against the spread. That hurts. That hurts a lot. For you, what does this game say more of? Is it kind of maybe the grittiness of what Dallas could be here with Dak turning back? Or is Philly really that team? Like, what are your takeaways from? Or I guess, which team are you focusing on with the most takeaways? I think it's Philly for me. I think Philly, they need to figure out their play in the second half. Like, they got to show me at least one good game where they play all four quarters of football very well against a half-decent team. Like, I I need to see it before I get on the Wally Philly going to the Super Bowl train. I need to see four good good quarters of football from them in one game. Yeah, and then you have, what, C.J. Garner-Johnson just had had a hand injury. We'll see what they're having. But Darius Slay is playing some great ball. We haven't really heard too much of James Bradbury. But this defense really is starting to kind of come of its own. But... For me, I like what I like what this said about Dallas, right? And as much as a Mike McCarthy hater I am, he has his team playing well. And I want to give a huge shout out to Dan Quinn, that dude who's going to be the next head coach for the for the Cowboys. They, Jerry Jones just waiting for the fuck up from Mike McCarthy. He has his defense playing well. Micah Parsons said it once. I'll say it again. I'll say it all year. A man possessed. That dude is something else. So. As much as it pains me, I like what this Dallas team is going into week seven. You're going to get a healthy quarterback. You got Michael Gallup finally getting his legs underneath them. C.D. Lamb will C.D. Lamb. He'll drop passes. He'll make amazing catches. But watch out. James Washington expected to come back. I like what they're doing and actually utilizing their running backs in Zeke and Tony Pollard. Wish I could say that about my team, but I can't. I like what Dallas is doing. I hate that they're doing well. But man, oh man, especially for someone who took them under 10 wins this season, this is really stinging. So I thought I was I thought I was just gonna be printing out money once once Dak went down. Watch out for this or for this Dallas team. They're gonna be coming in to kind of ruin some people's uh perspective on what this NFC East team is. And if Philly doesn't turn this around their second half play, I'm not gonna be surprised if Dallas comes out, sneaks up on them here late. I'm trying to see when that next matchup is. Eagles Cowboys. Oh, I don't even know. December 24th, we have a Christmas Eve game. So that's probably going to be week 15 or 16. That can be for the division right there. So watch out because Dallas, keep doing what you're doing. Philly, figure it out there in the second half, and we're going to be just fine. Now, our last play, the hindsight. We have the hindsight predictions for Monday Night Football. Don't know how the hell. Russell Wilson is on my TV again at primetime, but here they are against the Los Angeles Chargers, a team I actually like watching. Do you have any hindsight predictions for this Monday night football game that maybe we didn't cover here on Thursday? No, Chargers by three touchdowns. That's my prediction. Three. So you think, I love how this Broncos defense is playing. Mostly PS2, pass retain the second. He shouldn't be playing the way he is. A 6'2", 200-pound man should not be able to be a lockdown cornerback the way that he is. And he is just proving people wrong left and right. And they're expected to be activating their all-pro safety, Justin Simmons, here tonight, who's been off, I want to say, with a quad injury. So that defense is getting a big boost. Russell Wilson needs to get his shit together. I'm not saying that this is the game that he does. But hindsight 2020, Mike Boone touchdown score, anytime touchdown score, I'm going to take here tonight because Melvin Gordon cannot be trusted. Do you have any last-second bets you want to throw on here that makes you look like a genius or a complete idiot uh, when people hear this on Tuesday? Absolutely not. 
<laughs> not, these, not, not for these two teams. And with that, that's going to bring us to the end of another episode of Lost and Down. Make sure to check us out on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, at Lost and Down, and Twitter, down underscore loss. Shout out to all of our sponsors, tabbies.com. Make sure you use promo code FOOTBALL, 20% off that order as well as free shipping. And Abby Turner Creative, your one-stop marketing agency, abbyturnerphoto.com. Follow her on social media, Instagram, Sawdad, and Sapphire. He is David. I am Steve. Until next week, we are Loss of Down. Or no, until Thursday. And we'll be going over our picks and making sure we're winning you money so you don't have to go to work next Monday.